You can talk about film with a philosopher's zeal Or measure them all by box office appeal But for once in your life Be real! Noah, your podcast partner, woof! <laughs> Welcome one and all to uh, Be Real. It's a movie reviewing, reappraising, genre-hopping film podcast. We hope you all had just a fabulous Thanksgiving weekend. We being me, Chance Solon Pfeiffer. And Noah Ballard. We just today wrapped up our first ever watch party where we hung out and, and streamed the now 30-year-old holiday classic Home Alone with a, with a group of uh, friends and followers. It was a lovely time, was it not? I had a surprisingly good time. You were surprised uh, by what a good, what did you think was going to happen? Have, well, I thought it might have been a little overwhelming to both navigate the chat and then also watch the movie, uh, but it, it really wasn't. And I've seen that movie, as I said, on the chat 25 plus times. Right. If anything, it was fun to like lay back and let everyone else make all the jokes. It was really, I had a great time too. Um, you know, we want to do more of those. It's something we're messing around with. Um, and then when we do, we want to follow up with a with a mini pod, both sort of recapping some of the best observations from the stream and then doing our our standard be real reappraisal. So let's do that for home alone, my guy. When the McAllister family left on their Christmas vacation... Did we miss the flight? No, you just made it. Yeah! They forgot one small thing. Have yourself... I've a terrible feeling. Christmas. Did you lock up? Let yeah. Yourself be Do we set the timers on the lights? Mm-hmm. What else could we be forgetting? Our troubles will be ours. Kevin! Ah! Home Alone. Police in the northern suburbs are on the lookout for a pair of burglars who are calling themselves the Wet Bandits. We know that you're in there. It's Santa Claus and it's Elf. Get off my property. This is my house. I have to defend it. Where's your mother? My mom's in the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and sisters? I'm an only child. Where do you live? Can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. He's a kid. I mean, what can a kid do to us? Kids are stupid. I know I was. You still are, Marv. This is it. An eight-year-old troublemaker must protect his house from a pair of burglars when he is accidentally left home alone by his family during Christmas vacation. There it is. I have to say, if you've seen this movie 25 times like I have, you kind of forget how silly the premise of him being home alone is yeah. and how you have to have like very specific things break down uh, and deal with some pretty toxic people in your life in order for this to occur. Mm -hmm. uh, you just take that as, oh, this is Kevin's family and this is how he ends up home alone. Sure. Uh, but it was interesting this time to have a couple people who, or at least one with your sister who had never seen the movie before <laughs> Being so appalled by how horrible the McAllisters are to Kevin in the early scenes of this movie. Well, because it doesn't really make that much sense. Like, what did he do? What kind of kid is he? Or is he like, I think you're supposed to just believe that he's their 
their punching bag and then he makes sort of like one random sibling fight mistake by shoving and spilling the milk um but this all goes to like a larger point i have about like how one ought to ought to watch this movie but yeah it was it we had people we kind of ran the gamut of uh people who watch it every single year to uh friend of the pod uh brent rivers who hadn't seen it in 20 i think i also took like a 20 year break from this movie i think after really enjoying it like seven or eight times as a kid so right yeah brent also had early on seemed to conflate this movie with planes trains and automobiles (laughs) and other holiday movies remembering scenes that didn't and whatnot yeah for sure yeah he came around though oh and shouts to gabby martinez Garo who <laughs> Home Alone Three is the main Home Alone movie, and she'd only seen one and two recently. That was another fun. Watch That's really incredible. Yeah. So yeah, this is a John Hughes script and a, a Chris Columbus directorial effort. Uh, Chris Columbus, you would know from having made uh, Inventures and Babysitting a little bit earlier. If you're working up to Home Alone afterward, he's the director of Mrs. Doubtfire and the first two Harry Potter movies. A real, a real '90s into the aughts like family movie staple. Chris Columbus, and in Hughes's arc, you have him sort of leaving the era of his teenage movies, and as you get into the '90s relating much more i think to little kids and parents as you see him start in with the um the clark Rizold movies the vacation movies and then also like beethoven and dennis the menace and these movies he starts to his perspective starts to splinter away from the teenage age group and then of course you have the iconic star in macaulay culkin culkin had been in uncle buck which was a John Hughes written and directed movie from just one year earlier. And that's kind of where the, how he got ended up cast in this along with John Candy. Home Alone was extra suited, I believe, to watching it the way that we watched it today, because it is a movie of moments. And this isn't even something I realized until we were basically done, but it was such a joy because, I don't know, anywhere between 40 and 60 times, people were winding up for and then unpacking some specific iconic moment, which made it perfect to watch in a chat. On that level, I think it is as strong as ever. But my big theory on this movie is, are you watching it in the first person, which I think you're intended to, or the third person, which makes the movie sort of um, problematic? And I don't just mean like, is it kid shit or are we being real? But really like, are we seeing the world from Kevin's point of view or are we stepping back? And I think it's the kind of movie where you should not step back, just stay in Kevin's point of view. How do you feel about that? That's interesting. I think it's one of those movies that when you do pull back, it's when the movie truly like becomes interesting. Oh yeah. Like it, it is in the first person. It just like is kid shit. Uh, But then to pull back and to look at like some of the weird interactions he has with like sad, lonely adults and like just cogs in the larger machine of capitalism and like him figuring out, you know, how to buy fabric softener and like how to posture like a man in front of the shower if if he owns a home now, you know, it's just sort of, I mean, it's a bizarre slice of the way we kind of indoctrinate young people. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like it's more a movie about movies like this in many ways. I took a shower washing every body part with actual soap. 
including all my major crevices, including in between my toes and in my belly button, which I never did before but sort of enjoyed. I wash my hair with the Don't Formula shampoo and use cream rinse for that just wash shine. I can't seem to find my toothbrush, so I'll pick one up when I go out today. Other than that, I'm in good shape. It has a real like Hollywood comfort about it for kids, and I think that really comes through in the Robert's Blossom performance as Old Man Marley. And this is what I mean mm-hmm. about the first person. I'm not just talking about Chris Columbus's camera work, which I do think is very effective, where just like Buzz, Buzz looks like he's eight feet tall. He looks like he's Hagrid-sized. That stuff is there for sure. But even the way Robert's Blossom talks, when he opens his mouth in that church, he sounds like Christopher Plummer. He has this kind of unidentifiable mid-Atlantic elocution where you're like, why? And if you're in the third person, it's like, why in God's name would this man in this North Shore suburb who looks like the Boo Radley of the story, why would he talk like Christopher Plummer? But if you're inside the Hollywood blanket, like what's more comforting than the guy who looked like Boo Radley suddenly talking in this sort of like very trained uh, pipe smoking English professor kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. When he first opens his mouth and he's like, happy Christmas. Kevin," yeah. <laughs> And it's like, okay, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, my weird neighbor has really been trained in his diction. But even that story is so fascinating. Like the idea that this suburb has totally sort of villainized this old man who's just like trying to keep people from being slipping. And even when the cousin's just like, maybe he's just trying to be nice. <laughs> Buzz is just like, no, fuck you. He has the salt so he can kill people. And he like, he makes them into mummies with the salt. Um but it's just so interesting, and I think that's a sort of Hughesian. Well, you, I think you pointed out that this, the old man narrative, is a Columbus invention. Uh, but it does feel like it's Hughesian, and it fits into this movie and this story because of the fact that it's speaking to this truth that when it comes to communities like this, it's very hard to escape once people have an idea in their heads of who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that does. That was Brent who brought that up. I'll give him credit, but it's. Uh... It, yeah, it is sort of like, it is still high schooly in that way, right? Like, the right. this guy's a, a fucking burnout, and he'll always be the shovel slayer, <laughs> no matter what right. he does. Even if he gets the makeover, he'll still be the shovel slayer. And there's like a weird kind of counterbalance to people like that with characters like Uncle Frank. who's just this like total slime ball, but like understands how the world works in such a way that, you know, if he can get away with it, he's going to like, if, if he can steal the crystal salt shakers, like Mm -hmm. on the, in first class, (laughs) like he's going to try to do it. I do have like a top five times I laughed the hardest on the chat. So I want to give people their joke credit. Uh, Nick Budare saying, looks like uncle Frank left his reading glasses home alone after doing the same (laughs) joke. (laughs) When they say all alone was great. It's horrible. Horrible. Just horrible. What kind of mother am I? If it makes you feel any better, I forgot my reading classes. I think the Macaulay Culkin performance is good, if a little, like, slippery, right? Because, again, if you step back and you're like, who is Kevin McAllister? Like, does does he... Does he need to learn something? Does he need to be taught a lesson i don't think the movie really answers that question he goes from sort of like sad and vulnerable and bullied to borderline sociopathic at the end 
in a way that I think is, again, best seen from very close up as a little kid putting themselves in his shoes. But I, one thing I did not remember is that the movie arguably puts the most emotional moment on Macaulay's acting chops. It's the moment where uh, his mom apologizes when she comes home and you have that split second of, is he going to forgive her? And that's just Macaulay Culkin acting with his face and it works great. I think this viewing of it really pointed out to me how the Kevin McAllister character is very much like in the same school as like a Norman Bates, you know, like he has this odd relationship and this odd trauma related to his mother that allows him to justify a level of violence to strangers Mm. uh, in order to like keep himself safe. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting that many people did point out the fact that like this guy's like a violent terror. Like he's a he's a sociopath or even maybe like a psychopath uh, in his ability to not only create these uh, these have this house of horrors, but to also be have such forethought with how people are going to behave moment right. to moment that he's able to like line up scenes of movies to like thwart bad guys or like not pay as much of a tip on a pizza yeah you know he's he's testing this he's like testing the fence a little bit like much like a raptor in jurassic park uh to see if there are weaknesses or like throughout the movie which culminates into how do i get away with this catch these guys and like have a little fun question mark in the process it's the fun that I think bothers me. Like when he's so excited when he like hits fucking somebody with a head in the with a paint can. He's like, "Yes! Yes!" <laughs> I'm I'm definitely not suggesting it shouldn't be in there because obviously the the 11 minutes of violent pranks at the end are the thing that most people remember. And often myself included, there's this thing where people remember it as being like half the movie. (laughs) It's not. Um, But yeah, whether it's earned in a character sense, I think is up for debate because one of the, one of the most glaring technical flaws of this movie is after he, Kevin is sort of like, surveilled by the guys in the van and they're kind of creepily following him and he hides in the nativity. There's this really terrible moment of ADR where he's running away and he goes, next time they come, I'll be ready. And then it just like cuts right (laughs) to them, like being at the house and you're like, what, how was that the takeaway from what just happened here? He like becomes a completely different character to make the, albeit very enjoyable back part of the movie happen. Yeah. Now that's an interesting point. I really do think like Kevin's a fascinating, especially in the, like our current moment now, like I feel like Kevin becomes somebody like a Keith Raniere from Nexium or something where it's like, I figured out how to like play the adult system here. And now I'm going to just create a world where I'm the King and I can predict everything people are doing. Mm. But there's like a level of, you know, Set like evil in that, a and I, I guess I didn't think of Kevin as being evil, especially since this happens twice. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, if if he was on the line, if he was on the fence after Home Alone one, definitely after he gets lost in New York, it's it's over. Right. I mean, he meets Donald Trump for God's sake. Mm-hmm. He has like his Epstein moment with Donald Trump. 
What do you think of the Catherine O'Hara performance? Somebody pointed this out on the chat, but it's interesting that she's sort of relegated to the straight role here. Yeah. When she's like such a funny, like in Schitt's Creek, you know, with her, the thing that sort of made her famous in the past couple of years, uh, or famous again, um, is the funny person uh, and sort of the larger than life character. But I think what's good about her in this role is that she, no other actor could really have that like, moment (laughs) like going from so like proper and like just throwing barbs around to her like sort of troublemaker son and keeping this family together and like grinning it and bearing it she's like sort of in the same tone as the beverly giangelo role from like the christmas vacation universe where she's like smoking the cigarette just to get by and it's it's the holidays we're all in misery kind of thing but she really shoulders it in a way that's like it's not gonna break me you know i'm a I'm a suburban mom in the early nineties. Like I can, I can go with the flow. I can do anything. But when she snaps, like it is really like, as the movie goes along, it is really interesting to see her very like uh, sort of restrained, but downward spiral. She's got Hillary Clinton's haircut from 1990 in this movie. And she'll have Hillary's haircut from 1992 in the next movie. Exactly. Can I give you a, um, if I may, a Moira Rose, Line reading on Kevin's habits. Please. Kevin, a tarantula does not a pet make. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. Um, I love Moira Rose. And yeah, it's all the Christopher Guest movies. She plays like the insurgent comedic presence too. It's so funny. But she's, you're right, her sense of control, the scene that Grace latched onto so much with John Candy and all the polka jokes. And I think Gunter really liked this as well was after he's like listed, he's like uh, polka kiss, polka swing, Kenosha polka. And she just goes, these are songs. (laughs) Very good straight woman performance. Yeah, that is really, I think one of the best scenes in the movie, but again, after seeing it 25 times, it, that scene's so strange because John Candy and like he's with like nine other guys. It's a totally different movie. Right. It's a totally different movie and it's like a totally strange like but, thing for these guys to offer her to drive her to a different city that's not really on their way to where they're going. Yeah, it's it's not just that like it's happening in a different place with different characters. I mean, that's that's too easy of a of a write off. But the sensibility is totally different. It's just like John Candy improvising until he finds the right polka jokes and uh, you know turning it back. Like that corpse story takes the where he like leaves the kid in the mortuary with the corpse takes forever because he's making it up. And like that comedic sensibility does not exist anywhere else in the movie. Like his narrative and the old man narrative seem to be there to convince you that like the holiday spirit will prevail in getting what you need to get, right? Sure. Like the Santa will will come regardless kind of thing, which I think it needs to be there. Otherwise, you know, you have a bunch of horrified parents who's like, who's this psychopath kid that just hurt these grown men? Well, the grown men were. The grown men were asking for it a little bit. Can we talk about the people who play the grown men, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern? We have to. I feel like with each passing year, it becomes 
crazier that Joe Pesci is in this movie, right? Every time you see it, you're like, this is the ultimate overqualified person to be doing this. Yes and no. I mean, I would say that the rest of his career before Irishman was sort of pivoting from the serious Martin Scorsese to the kind of comedic parody of Martin Scorsese. And this was just sort of a, Fair enough. you know, a market research to show that people thought he could be funny. You're not a big uh, landlord or eight heads in a duffel bag guy? It's eight heads in a duffel bag is really the, the for you. I, uh, I see it, the career kind of uh, hitting its its peak. My Cousin Vinny's a couple years after this. He's in JFK one year later, Casino in 95. It's kind of crazy that Joe Pesci might have been one of the most recognizable American movie stars yeah. for like this three It's questionable stretch. why, like why is he slumming it in this movie? This is, I've, I don't mean to keep coming back to this point, but it is my big takeaway. The third person versus first person. How many of the adult actors, including Pesci, Stern, and John Hurd, were all like, this movie's going to be shit. I'm going to do whatever I want because I don't think this movie's going to be any good, even while they're making it. And right. I, I think, because they can't see what Columbus is doing with the with the perspective of like, you know, they, they couldn't see what was going on with the furnace, that indelible image that like burned itself into the mind of a generation and sort of reminds everyone of that one illogical thing they were afraid of as a kid. Um, right. The adult actors couldn't tell it was going to be any good. And by the way, the budget, I think, was 15 million. It cr- climbed up to 18, maybe. It made, adjusted for inflation, this is a $950 million grosser. <laughs> I loved the image of when they're ransacking the house across the way from the McAllisters and Marv is just putting everything in a garbage bag. It really tickles me to think of like, what is the movie after this movie? Assuming the wet bandits get away. We're like, they try to unload people's plastic Christmas ornaments. Like they, they're going to like a black market liaison and, and being like, what do you, a plastic Virgin Mary four for the price of one. What do you think I can get for this? Right. Yeah. Wherever they are fencing all these goods uh, must have a sense of humor because they're not really stealing that. I mean, at least from what you see them put into bags, they're really doing more what like the Grinch was doing. They're kind of stealing the Christmas cheer more than they're stealing odd marketable securities. Can we talk about the portrayal of police? This came up a lot. I just think it's hilarious because I don't think this movie glorifies police in the way that a lot of 90s movies and TV do. You know, first it shows them as totally incapable of locating a potentially lost child in danger. Or I guess there's the chase scene, too, where Kevin steals the toothbrush. Right. And he's able to, like, fool this bumbling cop pretty easily. And then, of course, the cops show up, like, way, way late after Kevin's... I mean, he's called them already when they confront him in the house. And it's not, if it wasn't for the old man Marley, uh, Kevin would have been toast. People were jokingly saying it was copaganda, but I think it's much more just like an, you know, maybe one of the most defining suburban Hollywood movies of all time, which Hughes obviously contributed greatly to that specific canon. But yeah, there is a lack of awareness around that that, it hasn't aged well or has just become very, very transparent with age where it's just like, yes, the police are an apparatus of the suburban experience, you think. 
Larry, can you pick up? There's some lady on hold. Sounds kind of hyper. What line, Rose? Uh, two. Family crisis intervention, Sergeant Balzac. I'm calling from Paris. I have a son who's home alone. Has a child been involved in a violent altercation with a drunken and or mentally ill member of his immediate family? No. Has he been involved in a household accident? I don't know. I don't... I, I, I hope not. Has the child ingested any poison and or any other object that has become lodged in his throat? No, he's just home alone. And I would like somebody to go over to the house and see that he's all right, just to check on him. You want us to go to your house just to check on him? Yes! Let me connect you with the police department. No, they just transferred me to you. Rose! Yeah! Hyper on two. Hang on. Hold on, please. I think if we had to hand out, like, a thematic person who tagged a motif in the chat if we handed out an mvp award for that it would be galen referring to this as a milk house because there is just unseemly amounts of dairy i believe that kevin has a tall glass of probably two percent <laughs> icy two percent milk with it's whole it is whole, it's whole milk, milk. it's gotta be it's gotta be whole milk he does milk with cheese pizza he almost does milk with mac and cheese, and I think he maybe even does milk with ice cream. He definitely does milk with ice cream, and then when he realizes that to like replenish the staples of his house, he'll have to go to the grocery store, one of the three things he buys is milk. Hilarious. There's so This is a milk-heavy movie. This is like a kosher brunch level dairy experience. <laughs> I feel like milk hasn't aged well. No. A lot more This this movie definitely shows its its age with the milk. A lot more vegans, a lot more lactose intolerant people, frankly, I think, than there were in 1990. Just a general, you know, level of the population that doesn't want to drink six glasses of milk a day. <laughs> I still I still drink a lot of milk, to be frank. But I was my. I know you're one of those people. You're one of those weird Midwestern people. I'm thirty year old Kevin. I'm fuller, probably. Um, Easy on the Pepsi. Kieran Culkin staring right down the barrel of the camera and being like, "I'm gonna pee on you later." It's really funny. Yeah, there's a lot of like both overt and dialogue based threats to like people defecating or throwing up or peeing on Kevin. Yeah. Should we tell people how we rate movies on Be Real and then rate Home Alone? Yes, cut to it. On Be Real, we rate movies in two categories. A good or bad for technical quality and a good or bad for watchability. So what are the four possible ratings? I don't care! Good, good movies are both well-made and highly entertaining. The Fugitive, Parasite, Rear Window, or The Hunt for Red October. One small play our dangerous game. Good bad movies are often impressive technically, but also tough sits. Historical melodramas like The Mission, horror movies too scary or gross to rewatch, or self-serious musicals like Yentl. Papa, can you hear me? Conversely, bad good movies are highly flawed but still gratifying. Nonsensical hangouts like Hot Tub Time Machine or ludicrously fun action fare like Twister or Stargate. Give my regards to <clears throat> King Todd, asshole. <clears throat> Bad, bad movies are neither well-made nor entertaining. Examples we've covered, unfortunately, include Garden State, Fifty Shades of Grey, and Attack of the Clones. I'm deeply sorry, Master. Got all that? Time for a rating. I think I've got a tale of two watches here. 
Nick Budere was trying to like send me the receipts of my pissy Home Alone letterbox log from last year. And I think that on it, I because I remember it and I didn't want to bring it up because I wanted to see how I felt this time. But I think I watched it the absolute wrong way last year. I was just with Sarah on the couch, completely like zoomed out, trying to figure out like what was going on character and theme and does this movie hold up and i i even remember her actually i think getting kind of mad at me for being a little too um investigative about it and that's frankly just the wrong way to watch this movie and i'm not saying give it a pass but if you watch it remotely the way we did today where you can enjoy the fact that john hughes put together 50 memorable moments in 90 minutes and then chris columbus you know shot the hell out of them. This is a good movie. So I would raise, this is for you, Budere, my two and a half out of five, I would raise to a three and a half out of five today. Oh my God. A good, good. I'm not going four. Nick's a crazy person. What are we talking about here? I really, yeah, I think this movie is pretty brilliant on like the narrative level, like what it may say about consumer society at this time and things that we hold dear and it gets even worse in home alone too um and then the violence that it trades in at the end is you know there is a case to be made that it's totally reprehensible um but in terms of holiday fun and in terms of like a classic holiday movie yeah i think this is an unquestionable good good uh it's, it's canon uh you know, for every flaw that it has, it's surprisingly deep on certain things. And I think especially when it comes to, you know, the desires of character, which ultimately like make or break a compelling whatever kind of movie, uh, holiday or otherwise, uh, this movie has an adult you know, approach to it, an adult sensibility about it, that way that, you know, many people compliment Hughes for capturing in his high school movies, you know, transcending just the American graffiti of it all into something else. Uh, And for this one, it was like what it's like to be, you know, a little boy who vaguely understands the adult world enough to manipulate it uh, in the in the 90s. I I can't walk all the way out there with you. Like so you saying that narrative and character are the strong points. I I I see the people in the chat who are like it's a bad good. I I get it. I I can't go all the way there. I think it's the it's the selling of moments of perspective. Like when he's in the mirror beginning to parent himself via narration because nobody's around like he just adopts the superstructure being like this is what I plan to do today and I I showered myself very well I think I think the the mini moments stack up into something great so I just I didn't want to let you drag me out onto the plank with you there I mean you can you can maybe next year when we watch it you'll be like you know what Noah this is the best movie I've ever seen Chance, let's do one of these again immediately. <laughs> Soon enough, my friend. This was a this was a good time. Well, it was fun to spend my Thanksgiving with you uh, and some some film lovers, and I'm thankful for all of you who listen and participate. Uh, great things to come in 21, uh, and we'll keep uh, we'll keep doing this. Keep sending your suggestions. Keep reaching out, um, and we'll we'll come back with some some new new stuff. We've got Mank and uh, movies about 
real-life Hollywood screenwriters coming up next. So keep it tuned. Bye, everyone. Thank you.